Welcome to the Weekly Roar. I'm Grant Bruner. I'm Rob Webster. This is episode 736. No author with us, at least as of right now. Um, but Rob, what animal are you uh, are you thinking about today? I'm thinking about badgers. Badger, 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 mushroom. Why badgers? Uh, because the new Roots game has appeared and I have just been thrashed playing as badgers. You, the badgers got pwned. Uh, they, they did get pwned. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't think that uh, we where I live there are badgers. I, I think I think that there are badgers in North America, but not here. So I don't. I don't think I've ever seen a badger. I've always been surprised by how different badgers look in different parts of the world. Mm, mm. Uh, the honey badger, notably, uh, does not give a fuck. No, yeah, I love the honey badger. The honey badger is an absolute friend. Uh, yeah, the American badger, very, very different to, uh, I guess it's probably called the European badger or the Eurasian badger, one that I would be more familiar with. They, they do both have the face, the black and white face, though. They do have a black and white face. But, so it's uh, like, even if their bodies maybe are not, like, identical, they at least have, the, like, the thing. Yeah. That is like, oh, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like those. Yeah, whereas the honey badger is just like a wolverine wearing a hat. Yeah, and and um, eating honey and getting stung and not and not caring. Yeah, just powering, thrashing shit. Now that I think about it, that that viral video of of the the honey badger video is probably like a decade old at this point. Yeah, I remember watching that documentary when it was on the BBC and uh, quite enjoying it. I <laughs> um, see. What, what animal am I thinking of? Well, probably squirrels, because there is just it is it is it is squirrel fucking city here right now, and it, you know I. I live in a place in relatively close to a place where I can just, you know, walk in like a nature preserve and it is just fucking you can't you can't walk you can't walk like I don't know 30 feet without seeing a squirrel. That sounds like a sounds like a nice situation. It is until uh, they steal your shit and then it's not great. They steal your shit. Yeah, to eat it, to eat food. Oh my god, I've never I've never been uh, I've never been robbed by a squirrel before. Oh uh, yeah, the our fucking American squirrels they'll rob the shit out of you. Oh man. They also they pilfer um, in the in the zoo here in Delaware, the Brandywine Zoo. Um, there is a I don't know how widespread it is, but at least in some zoos there is like a standardized like okay if you're here is like the herbivore and that's like they they called it like a chewy biscuit, but like here is here is like the herbivore um, like snack thing. The like here has new, the nutrients that that like if you're an herbivore you can have these um, and. So like they give it to them, like they hand it out to the red pandas, they hand it out to Candace the capybara, and the squirrels are like, "Shit, I'm gonna get inside there and I'm gonna steal those chewy biscuits." <laughs> so it's quite rude, in in my opinion, um, especially because like Candace the capybara, she's like eating some kale, and the squirrels are pilfering stuff, and she's like, "I'm busy. I'm not. I don't have time to fight squirrels. I'm eating kale." <laughs> yeah, Candace has got shit going on. Absolutely. Rob, uh, have you played any video games? I have played Inscription. How uh, how's that? That is a good game. How how are you? Did you finish the story? No, I've not finished the story. Okay, because no, so. my understanding is it's not that long. No, it doesn't seem that long. It's uh, I've been surprised by. I keep on thinking that it's finishing, and then it's not finishing, and I'm like, cool, weird shit. Yeah, I embrace your weird shit. Um, so this you had kind of like seemed like it, it was up your alley, and what what made you finally like was it on sale or something? Yeah, it was it was on sale. Um, so I thought now's the time, uh, and 
I wanted to. It's one because whenever anyone talks about inscription, all they say is, ah, go in as blind as physically possible. So I thought, well, you know what? I've managed to avoid hearing anything about inscription so far, other than the fact that it is a deck building game. Um, and maybe now <laughs> let's let's not let's let's try and continue the streak. Let's try and uh, let's let's play this before that streak. Yeah, ends. it's Again, like it's a deck building game, and it goes places. Is yes. like what is what people say. Yes, yes. Like, uh, hey, it's it's weird. It go it does weird stuff. Be prepared for weird stuff. I can confirm on both counts. It is indeed a deck play, uh, building game, and it does indeed do weird stuff. Yeah. Um. I guess are you, you're you're just like pretty into or well let me let me ask let me ask it instead of telling you um okay. is are you, the deck building part is that the part that you're enjoying or is it all the stuff around it or is it a combination thereof it's very 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 much combination so yeah I have as you know uh, largely pivoted to tabletop in my mm-hmm. game playing um, as of late um, and I really enjoy a card game I've been really enjoying I mean yeah the, the video game I've been playing most of comfortably uh, in 2022 has been Slave Aspire which is a deck building game uh, it does a lot of cool things with using video games as a medium that a tabletop game wouldn't be able to just because the 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 amount of maths that you would have to do to play Slay the Spire on a tabletop would be obscene. Um, but yeah, I, I I really enjoy that. I enjoy the getting my head around simple rules and then layering on extra rules and making plans and all of that good stuff. So that's all really good. Um, and inscription gives me more of that thing that I like, more of that thing that I really enjoy. And the thing of as well of being able to get a hand and going, oh my goodness, I am so overpowered. And uh, in my most recent run through of Inscription, I found myself absolutely phenomenally overpowered and I felt like a genius and that was wonderful and I really enjoyed that. So, Mm. yes, I was uh, drawn to the fact that it was a deck building game in particular. Um, But as I say, um, (laughs) in much the same way that the special source for um, Say the Spire is that it allows you to do more mind-melting things than you would be able to do uh, in the physical medium by just adding lots and lots of um, extra maths and multipliers and powers and all of that kind of thing. The external stuff, the stuff that you do when you're not necessarily looking at the table, which is set up very like Slay the Spire, incidentally, in that you are given a series of encounters and you can choose, do I want to go left and right? If I go left, then maybe it'll be an event. If I go right, then maybe I know that it's going to be a battle. Like That all works in very, very much the same way. Um, but all the stuff around it is... I am on the reg finding something new and making this noise. Oh, <laughs> so that's that's you can't put a price on that, Grant. Um, but okay. I did put a price on it and it was about five quid lower than the asking price, which is why I finally bought it. <laughs> yeah, you feed squirrels to weasels. Something. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. Or squirrels to other squirrels. I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I um the the mechanics of and I, my, I understand that that they very much open it up so it's like listen they want you to get through it you're going to be able to like break the game if you want to break the game you're going to be able to do that but man does it not do enough in the opening part to overcome the threat like the the threshold for me of mm. like here is here is a type of game that you don't really like all that much 
And it's like, yeah, is there probably like cool wild stuff happening? Yeah. And then it's like, well, I also find the the mechanics part so off putting that I didn't even like finish the let's play I was looking at or like even the, like the first part of the let's play I was looking at. Oh, man, that is a shame. I do think um, with a card game, playing a card game is always a lot more fun than watching a card game. But yes, mm-hmm. I appreciate so I, I could imagine it being more hard going to watch than it would be to play. Uh, yeah, because you're sense. like listening to people be like, okay, so hmm, let me let me think about my cards. What if I did this? And that's just for like 15 straight minutes. Yeah, and when you've got cards in your hand, that's a very interesting decision. But if you're watching someone with cards in their hand uh, and it doesn't affect whether you win or not, then it, they're going, well, is a one better than a two or is a two better than a three? It's like, please just please just play the card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it is one of those things where I pro- it might even be better to just be like, hey, watch the cutscenes. <laughs> because I guess it's not actually cutscenes. It's like, it, you know, it's, you're, it's like dialogue while you're playing it. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, if you want to know how the the fun weird things that inscription does, then you, you're probably safe doing that kind of thing. I say yeah. safe. Yes, you're 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 particularly opting out of being spoiled. So yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it is like I am I am not certainly not worried about being spoiled. Um, yeah. It is much more like um, like oh in, inside there is this like succulent uh, marrow, but. I'm like, bones? I don't want bones. Get out of here, bones. Yeah, and it has been a surprise how many bones there are in this game, in much mm. as it really does go hard on the deck building in a way that was, I don't think, made clear to me that you can spend two, three hours at the start of the game just playing as, as a pretty straight deck builder. And, uh, I mean, that's the kind of thing I like. But yeah, if it's not the kind of thing you like, I can I I can absolutely see why that would be off-putting to yeah, someone I, of your tastes. I do I like I do kind of like the idea of somebody just being like deck builder. I love deck builders, and then being like, oh my god, what is all this wild stuff happening? Like um like uh Frog Fractions two being glitter glitter mitten grove, where it's yeah. like it's a fairy city building game, but then actually it has all this other stuff going on. I agree. I think that's I think that's. <laughs> wonderful i don't know i don't know how often that has been the case i'm looking almost never i would imagine almost never yeah i'm looking through my um what's it called my my the achievements that i've got so far and the achievement the the most my most recent achievement which is kind of a twist achievement uh, it says 57.2 percent of players have this achievement which feels like a lot right yeah i mean that's kind of like it's you there is an amount of like suspending your disbelief before you even suspend your disbelief with something like this or like something like doki doki literature club because like you you kind of have like there's no way to not know that it's a horror game beforehand and it's like it's good because you don't like there's some horrific shit that happens in Doki Doki Literature Club, and you don't want to like spring that on people. Yeah, um, it, it would be shitty of you. Like it, it would be unpleasant for you to do to spring that. But it kind of get like the the reason why it has appeal is like because it is presenting one way and that is actually another thing is the cool part except that like you could never really get to the part where somebody's just like i'm wandering into this place assuming it's one thing yeah yeah and i think what inscription does very well is that it sets its tone very early if not necessarily the twistiness like 
um, there are things there were things that made me make that oh noise within maybe the first five minutes mm-hmm. uh and the vibes of the game the 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 strange uneasiness that it builds is it introduces concepts in in how the cards are um like just just stray lines of dialogue that are saying oh the cards will feel this kind of thing that just gives you enough heebie-jeebie that you're like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna see where this is going um or it it cues you into what what the vibe of the game is going to be i Mm. guess yeah it is um it i mean it also it looks weird you i don't think you would in in in, almost like the exact opposite way of something like slight inspire which has like a weirdly generic art style that like this could be any mobile game this like the inscription art style is like no there aren't games that look like this like there are games that, that have elements of it like it's kind of like a low poly um like um not quite ps1-y looking but you know it is like gesturing towards that yeah it reminds me of an ms dos game weirdly it feels like uh like an alone in the dark or something like that mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it is um it's definitely a weird game are you <clears throat> are you at a point where you're like oh i wish i had played this last year i would have put it on my list oh i'm certain that it would have been on the list at some point last year but let's see what i did put on my list last year it'll be it'll be around here somewhere 2021 i go to so my game of the year for 2021 was oh piss where's it gone i used to have this all written down somewhere uh, i should probably go to my website robd website yeah that's what i assumed you were doing no i was looking around in notion like a noob there we go stuff of the year 2021 um oh chicory a colorful dale metroid dread and it could it could uh, at the moment it feels like it's poised to at least knockoff wilderness which mm-hmm. i thought was really good so it, it is one of those things where like i feel like i haven't heard you or, or anyone else talk about wildermyth outside of its like initial launch period yeah weirdly a friend of mine did uh, just recommend me the game wildermyth the other day and i was like i've played it and he said do you want to play the multiplayer uh, so <laughs> maybe i'll play the multiplayer at some point uh, and revisit it but yeah um yeah that was a cool game but it's not it's not had masses of staying power for me but so yeah. i am also conscious that maybe with inscription i'm just going ah a new game it <laughs> so. is and it is yeah and but it is also tough because it's like with with these game of the year lists it is like how do you feel in the moment not like will this game remain in the conversation two years from now or whatever yeah i quite like the idea of maybe uh maybe 10 years later revisiting the game of the year list and going okay now what would i actually put yeah like yes yes definitely like i i would probably say every single list i've ever made i would change it like if i was making a list today it would not be the same because it's like yeah yeah you the the context of it changes you're not you have you have changed as a person by the time whenever you're revisiting a list yes any other any other games you want to talk about root or any other video games uh yeah i've got no other video games at the minute it's just been inscription this week but yeah i'll I'll touch on root the marauder expansion because that has finally arrived you you might remember uh last week we were having some issues with customs um and it's only just arrived today two weeks after i got the tracking number but hey i'll take it it's arrived uh first off i have been (laughs) i've i've known what i've been buying for a while now 
um mm. it is still a little bit staggering to open up the box and find the sheer number of different bits and bobs and uh, items and there's a there's a pack called the landmarks pack which um adds uh, special special qualities to certain clearings on the board which i pretty much completely forgot that I, I never forgot, but I, I when when I think about it, I wasn't pricing it in, and then you open it and you're like, oh man! And then I've got these landmarks, and I've got these all of these minor factions, and I've got these two new factions, and there's just a colossal amount of new stuff. So that's been really nice. Uh, we broke it up and we played a game of it today. So far, um, <laughs> so I was playing as the faction who are called the Keepers in Iron. So the Keepers in Iron are badges, as I alluded to in the intro to the show uh it says they are an order of exiled knights who have returned to recover relics lost in bygone conflicts first they must delve relics out of the forests then move the relics to their way stations where they can finally recover them to score points uh but they must plan carefully uh and laura is playing as the lord of the hundreds uh which is the warlord uh claiming mm. to be the one true voice of the woodlands the lord of the hundreds consolidates power by crushing all dissent uh, in the evening they score points based on how many clearings they oppress clearings they rule that have no enemy pieces at all so they are trying to spread themselves wide across the board there are 12 clearings in total um and they want to if they score if they own six or more of them they've got four points at the end of each turn which is massive um so one of the things that the marauder expansion does very well is it injects both of those new factions are big factions that you can build a game around and at the time uh of or at the time of yesterday uh i had three of those and you'll usually want to have two of them in a game so it was basically choose two from these three and then any one slash two of the remaining five and it just it was just a little bit lopsided over the same couple of factions so genuinely having these two extra factions burst the game wide open and it also adds a lot of tools that are meant to help for two-player games so there are these minor factions which are basically small versions of all of the other factions in the game plus more uh which change hands at uh, crucial points during the uh game so at the first player to gain four points will get their pick of which of the minor factions that they want to control they'll roll a dice to find out how many um rounds they control it for and then they will have i don't know maybe a little gang of birds who's just going around walloping people but then after those two turns they will have to pick another player at the table to give them two and if you're not in the lead you'll get them for slightly more turns and it's all it's a bit of a not quite a catch-up mechanic but it means that so one of the things that's really fun about root is um when you're playing at three or four players or five players if you're feeling ambitious um there's a lot of (laughs) your battles aren't zero sum so like if one person is fighting another person that's really good news for you because that means that you're not involved in that and you can keep on doing your thing while everyone else is worrying about those guys and there's a kind of politics that will emerge which you don't get as much in the two-player game and then because you've got these minor factions that are always changing hands you, you can be thinking okay so do i want to wallop the birds who are constantly attacking me or do i just hold tight and want them as strong as possible so that in a couple of turns i will get them and it adds a little bit of a tempo to it so they've explicitly said this is meant to be make two-player games a little bit more viable uh and one of the things that is a bit of a shame for that reason is quite how outsized the rat's power is to the badger's power so mm. because the rats win by having 
clearings where there are no other pieces and because the badges are very slow and they can only have a couple of pieces in every clearing or else they will uh, start to lose badges at the end of each turn it basically means that the badges are always sitting ducks for the rats and the rats can just spread out of control smash it up um we we were playing and laura beat me as the rats and at the end she said i i don't feel particularly good about winning i don't know what you could have done there and i was thinking i don't really know what i could have done there as well and i've gone onto the internet and google people are just seeing have i missed something is anyone is there something that i'm missing about the badges and people's take is that the badges are very 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 good if you are an experienced player um but they take a lot of learning and the rats are very very good straight out of the box <laughs> and the two-player game state is particularly favorable to the rats and someone's made a comment that was along the lines of if you haven't given up yet after about five games badges v rats you might be starting to get a hang of the badges uh so it's a shame that those two it particularly in this expansion that is meant to be focused around two-player that those two don't gel as well as i would like them to mm. um but they are both fun, interesting factions. They are both cool toys. I love all of the hiling stuff. I'm I'm loving what's in the box. Those two just happen to be oil and water, and uh, that's 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 one of the risks of a of a very asymmetrical game like this. But bam. it is a little bit weird putting them in the same expansion and then not and then having them be so unbalanced those particular two i do think that like it is like kind of a trap to get down the hole of like everything has to be perfectly balanced all the time um because that's silly but if you're going to like hey we're introducing these two in this two player focused expansion it does seem like those are the two you would want to spend time on right yeah it massively does and i guess i mean they've ultimately got to focus on the broad game over just does this particular combo work as well as we want it to but it is particularly galling that there's they include a little learning to play guide which uh walks you through what a turn might look like as either of the factions and on the back it's got suggested faction mixes and it does say on the back suggested faction mixes two players how about playing the rats versus the badges um so i I, maybe i mean because they say that the badges have got a very um low skill floor maybe the people who designed the badges knew how the badges worked and were therefore good at them and went this is fine but you'd have hoped that play testing would have caught it i don't know i think that's a little bit of a shame but yeah yeah uh, i do want it to because the lord of the hundreds um made me think delaware is the only place in the united states in which a hundreds uh were one introduced and two have survived to this day we still have we still have hundreds as breakdowns as a sub-county breakdown uh-huh. it came from you know jolly old england but uh yeah, we still have them. Um, they used to be. They used to serve much more of a purpose, and now it is mostly like a uh, like a real estate state type. Like, okay, well, like you are within this blah blah hundred, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, we uh, we we're we're the only ones who still have them around, kicking kicking around. We're, Delaware is is like a a haven for weird vestigial things. We still yeah. have le- We still have a. We're the only one. We're the only levy court uh, left in the country, and that's from our time spent uh, under Dutch rule. So like we still have like weird vestigial things. Yeah, it's a satisfying word. I enjoy, I enjoy saying Lord of the Hundreds. Mm-hmm. It sounds very powerful. It's one of the one of the uh, skills on the faction board is command the hundreds, uh, which <laughs> I, command I, them. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I like that as an action. 
it's good. It's it's definitely um, good. Um, you you can enjoy the East Dover Hundred, the Duck Creek Hundred, the Kenton Hundred, the Little Creek Hundred. Uh, we also have the North Murder Kill Hundred and the South Murder Kill Hundred. South Murder Kill. Yeah, I I also believe Mur- so. Murder Kill is is a place here. I also believe Murder Kill is from Dutch. Okay. <laughs> it's and just I think bakery. Yeah, and you all there's also like like Schuylkill is a river in in um in Pennsylvania. I think kill means um like body of water, like or like river. Okay, yes. Um in in Dutch. And then that has just you know we we were ruled by Dutch for a while, so like we have Dutch shit. Uh, we also we are, Delaware is also ruled by Sweden for a while. We were we were New Sweden for a little bit, so we also have some Swedish shit. Like Christiana is named after a uh, Swedish queen. So yeah, we oh, have, that's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it is it is it is weird um, because generally you don't think about um, that you know the Sweden's colonies. It's not usually high on the list of things, but yeah, Delaware uh, portions of Delaware certainly were uh, under Swedish control there for a hot second. Um, you want to talk about Doctor Who? Yeah, I can talk about Doctor Who. They cast another one. Another one? Yes. Oh. Don't they already haven't they already had like thirteen or fourteen of them? They have had thirteen of them. Here is and the they're 14. doing another one. I know, ridiculous. Uh, it's ludicrous. Uh, so it's a. It's ludicrous. Yeah. No, it's not ludicrous. Oh no, <laughs> man, that would have been a that would have been a, a bold choice. new direction. And then they the, then they slowly merge the the um, Fast and the Furious and Doctor Who franchises. I mean, it's been it's been <laughs> the hints have always been there. Makes makes you think. Uh, no, they've cast a guy called uh, Shuti Gatwa, who I had not heard of. It's, it's been a very strange announcement because uh, they didn't really do anything for it. In the in previous years, it's always been a bit of an event. So when Jodie Whittaker uh, was uh, announced as the Doctor, they had these specially filmed uh, teaser trailer that went out at uh, some kind of sporting event um and people went oh goodness who is and they they were building up to like they shot her to look androgynous uh like in big baggy clothes and then they it's like an anime they revealed it like an anime basically yeah who's who's this mysterious young boy yeah it's a lady yeah basically that was exactly what they did Um, that's hilarious yeah it's fun it's quite fun um and then the year uh, when when Peter Capaldi was announced, um, they had they I think they had like a weird live chat show where um, they were speaking to people who were I don't know fans of Doctor Who for thirty minutes or so, and then they I don't remember the exact details. I think maybe they might have fired a cannon of confetti or something, and then he emerged through a door, and uh, I don't know if they had an interview with him. But there's always been there's always been a televisual event around it, and then it was uh, just just in the middle of a Sunday morning, a friend texted me, went, "Hey, new have you seen who the new Doctor Who is? New Doctor dropped." Yeah, basically. Um, and yeah, he's an actor who I'd not heard of called Judy Gatwa, who is uh, best known from the Netflix show Sex Education, if you're aware of it. I have heard of it. I have not watched it, but that is at least a thing that I have heard exists. Well, he's That's one not of nothing. The... Sorry? That's not nothing. That's not a thing I've heard of. Yeah. Um, so he's 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 one of the uh, one of the ensemble cast in that. Um, he is the first Doctor who is younger than me, which is 
Weird. Feels bad. Yeah, weird feeling. Uh, he's notably younger than me. He's about three years younger than me. That's uh, mm. strange. He, he's get, he's getting he's not not quite a not quite a Gen Z, not quite a Zoomer, but getting there. Yeah, yeah. When we're gonna I, go, we're gonna have our first Zoomer doctor. Yeah, probably soon as well. Uh, well, I'll look forward to that one day. Um, he is the first um, black lead. Uh, like so, there's been. <laughs> During Chris Chibnall's strange, strange era and the Jodie Whittaker's era, there's been a past incarnation of the Doctor, although it's not clear that they're a past incarnation of the Doctor. And they've appeared basically in like four scenes. And they've gone, hey, did you know the Doctor was a black woman once? Um, it certainly counts. She was very, very good in the role. But nevertheless, it is meaningfully different this being a person who is going to have his name in the opening credits he is going to be the lead character he's going to be carrying the show and he's the first i think he's the first non-white doctor although i think um i think one of the ones in the 70s had a guyanan uh father uh, mm-hmm. but certainly so definitely certain the, the first non-white passing doctor exactly yes yes um and he's a little bit um uh, i i i, I I've not found out exactly how he identifies. I think he's reasonably reserved with that. But he's the first fabulous doctor. <laughs> it's he, he did an interview where they were asking, um, because it was the day of the BAFTAs was the day that they um, announced him as the doctor. And uh, there were lots of red carpet interviews and people were saying, so you're the doctor, what are you going to bring to the role? And his answer was, he's going to bring fabulousness. So he's he's certainly the first queer coded doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really cool on a lot of fronts. And the thing that I'm very, very excited about is... So, yeah, Chris Chibnall, who has been writing Doctor Who for the last three series... Just as I have mentioned on this podcast a couple of times before, has such a tin ear for cultural issues. He means well, but he will constantly accidentally write stories in which maybe Space Amazon is good and the workers should shut up and that kind of thing. And he's been, in the last few episodes, he's been writing uh, the kind of, what's the way of putting it? There is an attempt at writing a gay romance with the current Dr. Jodie Whittaker and, uh, uh, one of her uh, companions, Yaz, played by Yasmin, uh, played by Mandip Gill, um, and it's all just along the lines of, "Oh, I can't love a human. I hope you understand." And it's this very ham-fisted attempt at LGBT rap that just ends up being a bit more feeling not not exactly queer baity, but it does feel it does feel like. But probably some queer baiting. A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, whenever there's been any kind of big social progressive moment, wink, wink, it's always been like, oh, Chris Chibnall, what are you going to do here? It's going to be like the most watered-down, weird, strange version of it. Whereas the uh, new, (laughs) I say new, the original head writer for Doctor Who, for the revival of Doctor Who, who is coming back and who cast Shuti Gatwa was um, he's recently been uh, he he's an, he's been absolutely uh, on it in terms of socially conscious TV recently mm. he uh, he wrote a drama called It's a Sin which I don't know if that's got any international profile at all but it's um, set around the AIDS epidemic in the eighties and 
it is it deserves to win all of the awards by all accounts uh it's it had the most nominations at the baftas he is just an absolutely phenomenal writer and i am so the thing that i am excited about is that doctor who has cast a black queer coded doctor and my first thought is not oh god how are they going to fuck it up it is brilliant i am delighted uh and he seems so good he seems incredibly charismatic he seems yeah it seems it feels it feels like a revolution in a way that i'm very very happy about i i am curious and i i know that you're have increasingly detached from from the internet so you might not even have a sense of this i do wonder like what is the um like what is the racist backlash like what is what is the level of racist backlash yeah i'm sure it is considerable but i have not experienced it and i yeah as as you alluded to i'm just thinking maybe i don't plunge my face into the pool of fire uh, yeah and yep. it's working out I mean, well for me yeah i mean so i have been off twitter since the elon musk shit went down Good. um I, there's elements where i have to like i have to like look at it um especially for for work related reasons but i i've not been i've not been tweeting um since then because fuck elon musk that piece of shit um and i like i'm not gonna give him one fucking ad dollar um but yeah it is um i'm sure it is miserable i'm sure that like that the that there is a non-trivial amount of the doctor who fan base who in in spite of it being like known online as being part of like this super like queer friendly fandom uh in like the like super hula tumblr days or whatever yeah yeah. um it is still like this big fuck off british thing and i'm sure that that includes a bunch of bigots yeah, it's. I think there are a lot of people who, <laughs> so, like, you could make valid readings of the show in uh, the 60s, 70s, and 80s as being quite imperialist. Of no, or, yeah, I know. No, like, I wouldn't. Like, I couldn't possibly believe a British person, a white man. I I don't know. I don't know who who started Doctor Who. I'm going to bet a thousand dollars it's a white man, <laughs> um, and they would write. They're in the UK. Being a white man and writing something that's vaguely imperialist? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess. Either way, there are people like who have been fans for a very, very long time yeah. who do not see it as a progressive show necessarily. It's 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 it's, it's worn a lot of different uh, different faces, and I would argue that it's not a progressive show particularly now. Um, yeah. But it's gonna be and. Oh boy, am I ready for that? It is. I think I. I think I. I had expressed this at the time when they're like, "Hey, what, what's his name? What is, what's what is the dude's name uh, who rebooted and helped reboot?" Yeah. The, well, the one who's who's coming back. Oh, Russell T. Davis. Russell T. Russell. Um, <laughs> is that like I? It's cool, and he's you know somebody who people like, and it, but it does it does seem a little um, like break glass in case of emergency, right? It's like ah, we don't. What are we doing with Doctor Who? I get the guy who did it good. It does very much feel like that, but it also does very much feel like the kind of emergency where I'd be quite keen to break the glass. It's it's uh, if I were trapped alone in a burning building, I would be so charmed by the sound of that lovely little fire alarm. Uh, yeah, and it, where it's just like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. I mean, like, it's cool that they're going to get the 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 leadership in place to like make things that people 
are happier with that's like that's good in the short term but it is like i think a broader problem of like do does the bbc because the bbc owns it outright right yes yes the 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 people further up the chain in charge they just not know what to do with with doctor who and like what the tone is and what it should be doing that they it's like largely like i don't know give it to the people who did it right before i don't fucking know yeah i i i don't i don't have a clue what they're doing to doctor who either i yeah it's there was no obvious person to take over from chris chibnall when chris chibnall announced that he was standing down like looking through the list of people who've written for doctor who in the last however many years no none of them had the kind of seniority that you would expect to run what is quite a big show and it's it's an executive producer as well as a head writer role so you've got to wear a lot of hats you've got to know your way around television and even uh even during the previous era there were a lot of good writers in that era there aren't that many writers who run shows as well uh in in the doctor who sphere uh there weren't any particularly obvious successors and i mean russell t davis wasn't an obvious successor honestly the amount of stuff that he's done since doctor who i am we are very lucky to have him back in a lot of ways. Like he has gone off and just been brilliant. Um, Written some like fundamentally Russell T Davis starting Doctor Who in 2022 is a very different man from Russell T Davis starting Doctor Who in 2004, 18 years ago. Like his, his, uh, he's 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 a he's a he's a grizzled veteran now in yeah. a way that is very good um yeah, so, yeah. you know was... like i'm thinking about like who would like who would be a good showrunner and i'm like the all of the names that come up in my head are all american and i don't know i don't know if that would be like a, a non-starter in 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 a doctor who thing would be like run by american i think not son <laughs> i think there's certainly a uh a component of the uh, of the Doctor Who fan base who would feel that way, yes. You what? People certainly feel that way about the Doctor, uh, him or herself, being played by an American actor, even even with a UK accent. <laughs> People are just like absolutely not, which is maybe maybe a strange a strange um, place to put the which is ground. silly in my opinion because like there are plenty of like British and Australian actors who come and do American accents and it's fucking fine yeah I think there's a particular um, what's the way of putting it a particular um <laughs> conservatism is not quite the right word but it's the one i'm going to go with because it's holding up the sentence with doctor who in that people are very protective of it because they feel like it is exporting british culture to the world on some level it feels like a very british show in a way that is hard for people to put their finger on i certainly couldn't point to a thing and say that's the british thing in doctor who but it does feel quite puckish and silly and frivolous and whimsical in a way that i can't imagine an american production team making it in the same way and I not guess... as a big budget thing i would imagine it would no. be like definitely like uh, something of that tone could absolutely exist but i do think it would be much more shoestring yes and i think people are very protective of that britishness and i think people are scared that casting a non-british lead actor might reduce that uh on some level but Mm. as you say there are plenty of there are plenty of actors who'd be very very good at it so yeah you get fucking idris elba you're gonna be fucking fine 
Yeah. I don't even know where Idris Elba is from. I think he is British. Is he is he British? All right. Yeah. So like, I don't know. Pick anybody else. Pick a bit like uh, I, I'm, I'm immediately like, OK, who else is in the Sonic movie? Get Ben Schwartz. I think Neil Patrick Harris would genuinely be very good Doctor Who. Yeah, I mean, he definitely is a weirdo. Like he yeah. can play he can play a a an awkward not like amicable but like not all the way there maybe yeah 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 i don't know i don't know is that how that's that is my that is my read on the doctor who after watching i don't know i probably watched like 10 episodes of doctor who is that like it may be a little bit distracted maybe not uh necessarily always in the moment yeah yeah um doctor who it would be nice if doctor who if you like you were excited about doctor who again yeah, oh, I'd love to be. I mean, I, it's, it's happening. I'm excited about yeah. Doctor Who. I'm meaningfully excited about Doctor Who. Whether it lasts, who knows, but... Oh. Is Jodie Whittaker... Like, did, do you think that she was not well-suited for the role, or do you think she was just given material that was bad? I think she was just given material that was bad. I do think there are probably ways that... So, um, I, I mentioned briefly that there was a character who was a previous incarnation of the Doctor um, who was, I don't know, some weird space spy version of the Doctor who Jodie Whittaker's Doctor met like twice during her run. It's been a it's been a very strange gas leak couple of years. Uh, either way, there was an episode where, for some reason, Jodie Whittaker's Jodie Whittaker, the actor, was playing the Edgelord Doctor from the past. Let's say, <laughs> um, and all of a sudden, it was like, oh, I can really see how that works. That's phenomenal. I can see how Jodie Whittaker would be a phenomenal Doctor. Broadly, she's been fine to pretty good and there have been moments where i've gone oh she's she's really good at this but it is the character has been very held back has been very non-interventionist has been very oh let's just sit here and watch while the donald trump analog shoots spiders in the face it's been strange it's 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 been a weird fucking three series yeah that i mean that does that does sound like odd some some choices were made so many choices were made and it's one of those things as well where it's even though i have not been i have complained about doctor who plenty in the past five years it's not until i try to explain oh there's this weird spy version of doctor who and jodie whittaker was playing her for one scene only that i'm going man this stuff really does not fit together <laughs> yeah it is hmm. I, I look I look forward to it and I and I do kind of when when is Jodie Whittaker like all the way done or is there still like a little bit to go with her in there? She has one more ninety minute episode in October. I kind I kind of want to hear you like give your like end of a doctor like what is it what is it called your like like your your a report like, card you want a report card there's like a when when something fails you do you do a um, oh a uh, a postmortem po- yeah postmortem I want I want your 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 end of doctor postmortem yeah I'll I'll I'll, I'll certainly try and put together some coherent thoughts uh, there won't be many <laughs> yeah Ugh. what a waste. How how often do they go back and like bring back a previous actor to be like, whoa, timey wimey? Semi often, but not super often. They have done it maybe three times in the. Um, 
how long has it been back now? Oh, about the 17 years or so mm-hmm. that the new series has been in effect. And that has been weighted more towards the more recent series, mind. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, remember when you liked it? Um, it yeah. That <laughs> is they completely resisted doing it. And then they did a 50th anniversary episode where they brought some back and they brought some back for previous for like side episodes and stuff like that. And since then, they've been like, yeah, that's the thing that we sometimes do. Yeah, because it is like a, it's a weird thing. So like you I, I I do not love the like you lean on. I mean, this is what Star Wars. This is one of the biggest problems in Star Wars right now yes. is you just lean on the like, remember the thing? And that's not great. However, I do like the like um there is a there is a like a charming frivolity to like yeah fuck it man we, like we we like that guy we want him on our show again for an episode yeah. bring him back fuck it yeah they've uh, <laughs> yeah that is good in fact the uh, Jodie Whittaker's final episode which is in October they've released a trailer for it five months out why not um, and. <laughs> It has two characters in it who were there in like the seventies and the eighties. Uh, I don't think for any real reason. They just thought, "Hey, let's bring those bring those actors back. Why not?" Yeah, we like them. Screw it. Um, I hmm. so as as we were talking, um, I, I my my attention was a little bit off uh, for for a, a, about thirty seconds because um, the Delaware Senate just uh, passed. Um, legal weed legalization in, in Delaware and now is off to to the governor to sign. Oh. So I was just a, a tiny, tiny bit distracted there for a moment. Um, the, unfortunately, we split it, the the stuff into two bills. So this is like legalizing it. So it's it's decriminalized now. So which is basically, hey, it's 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 you're not going to you, you can't you're not going to get charged with a crime for having one ounce or less, which is a lot of weed. Um, and the, the only thing is they, that they could confiscate it and they could, um, tr- fine you up to a hundred dollars, like a maximum of a hundred dollars. And this would get rid of that entirely and say, th- cannabis is straight up, just, just straight up legal. You can just have it. Um, you can't smoke it in public or whatever, but like you having it is no longer a crime. Um, so that's the part that's e- that was easier to pass because it doesn't, because it doesn't require anything to do with money, it can pass our legislatures with like a of a, a a simple majority. Mm-hmm. Um, it was originally attached to the part that that handles the like the the regulation aspect of it, which like here's how you do recreational sales. This is like who can sell it. This is how you sell it, etc. Here's how you tax it. Yada yada yada. Um, that failed, so they split into two bills because. There are people who will vote for regulation, but don't support its legalization. So once it is legalized, they're like, all right, well, now that it's legalized, I will support regulating it. I see. But I don't support legalizing it. And so, like, you had to, like, fucking get it past those fuckers, uh, which includes the Speaker of our House, <laughs> Pete Schwartzkopf. That guy, that guy, he knows how he knows how I feel. Um, unhappy about him. Um, I've never, and, I've never been happy to be introduced to a speaker of the house. Uh, that guy, um, writing snippy emails to me, not happy about it. Um, and uh, so yeah, uh, our governor is notoriously a, uh, not a great dude, especially on this issue. But we do happen to be in this position where. 
it is going to be a shitty year for Democrats in the election. And it's like, well, you don't want to you don't want to fuck it up further. So I do think we'll probably be able to bully him into not not vetoing it. He probably won't sign it. But what happens, it can you can be like a you you let it sit there long enough without doing anything to it. And it's like, OK, it becomes law without my signature. Um, and I think that's probably what he'll end up doing is not not actually signing it, but letting it be law. OK, yes, man, it's uh... That's 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 kind of good news. It is kind of good news. And it, but it, the, here's the thing, right? Is that like New Jersey just legalized it. New York just legalized it. Uh, Virginia legalized it. Maryland is on its way to legalizing it uh, like at the end of the year. They're going to it's uh, I think it's it's going to come up as a, I think it's going to be a referendum, something like that. Um, it's happening all around us. So like you can't not like it is it is it is it's it's happening all around us. And if you don't do it, that means you're just losing out on money and, and people not wanting to be in your state. So it is it is kind of like a hard for for the people who are even the even the like the diehards. It is hard for them to hold out any longer because and also it is widely is wildly popular across all the entire political spectrum. There is there isn't like a a spectrum of 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 politics in which it isn't popular, like fucking just legalize it and stop hassling people. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, good. Video games. I play video games. Ooh. And more importantly, I tried to play video games, failed to play video games over last weekend. Because I don't know if you saw this, but um, large swaths of Xbox Xboxdom um, could not launch games. Oh, oh, yikes! Um, and it is my, it is no longer the case for me. And it's my understanding there was like a, a larger failure of things. But like not only Game Pass games, but games you just straight up paid money for, you could not launch on your console, which Eesh. is bad. Which is yeah, bad. So um, I was like, hey, Citizen Sleeper, that's on Game Pass. I'm going to play that. And it was like, hey, check this out. No. <laughs> what if it didn't? Um, and I was like, all right. You know, I do think this is probably going to be a good Switch game. So I bought it on Switch. And uh, in spite of Xbox totally fucking it, um, I would say this is uh, it kind of came out of nowhere for me. It wasn't it wasn't something that I. <clears throat> that I was like thinking about like Norco had been on my radar for like eight months by the time it came out. Um, Citizen Sleeper isn't something that I was thinking about or I, I, it, it is certainly possible that it's like a trailer came out or something at some point and I, I saw it, but it wasn't something that I was thinking about or whatever. It was like, Hey, it launched. Um, it's also on game pass. It's a narrative RPG. And um, I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll give it a go. And it is um, really, really fucking fantastic. So like the, it is kind of like a, a mishmash of a bunch of different things. And I think the, one of the things that I was telling you about is that it's kind of like a, the biggest crossover that I could think of, of like, what is a canonical grant game and what is a canonical Rob game? <laughs> yes. Like it is, it is like straight up tabletop mechanics. Like you, you, like you roll dice. It is done in like cycles, which are like basically days you roll dice. You have like, here are your, here are your five actions and their dice. And then there are a bunch of different things you can do that are qualified as like, here, are, so here's a safe action, a risky action and a dangerous action and different things obviously have different levels of, of how safe they are. And like, okay, well I'm going to, I'm, going i have one like six uh six out of six die that rolled and i'm going to use that for a dangerous action so like i th that is going to keep it from 
being um, like a, a negative thing will happen. So like, for example, you could like roll this thing and it's dangerous and you can get a lot of resources from it or you could get the thing that you want. But if you fail, you could lose health, things like that. Um, and it also has kind of like a, a ticking down mechanic of like every day you're you have energy and then also you're kind of like a uh halfway between the sixth day do you do you do you know or remember the sixth day the movie with arnold schwarzenegger no not i don't don't feel like i've encountered it or it's like uh or it's like soma where you're a person's like consciousness is cloned and put into a body um okay so it's kind of like that so it, it is that you're you're your main like you are a copy of a person who sold their like consciousness like uh, they sold a megacorp the ability to copy their consciousness and put it into a different body now like it is not made explicit like what the body is like it's kind of seems art like an artistic like r- robot e it's unclear exactly how like are you a cyborg are you a robot it's not entirely clear what you're made out of but you are the you are like a slightly degraded consciousness um that was copied from a and uh, from a like regular organic human that is okay. how it is pitched to you um and you Every single day, you're you're ticking down because the Megacorp doesn't want your the copies that they paid for, basically who are slaves to them. They don't want you to escape. So there is like a built-in killing mechanism that like if you are not receiving like these specific nutrients from them, your body is slowly going to degrade. So you have to like take these supplements. You have to like get these smuggled supplements or whatever and there are other things you can do to help your yourself but like you are getting this to stop your your body from degrading and then on top of that you also have to like manage like here's your hunger like here's like your just body's energy on top of hey your body is slowly degrading um and that stuff's good uh, i i weirdly like i thought that it would be overwhelming but they mm-hmm. there are things I was gonna say, to say it sounds stressful <laughs> there are things to think about but I think here's the thing, is that when you first start it, it's like, oh, holy shit, this is so much stuff. But the reality of it is, is they give you so many tools to mitigate that all it is is like, hey, you need to be thinking about this. You're never go- or not never, because I definitely there probably are situations in which things go bad. Mm-hmm. But um, in general, if you are just paying attention to it you probably can make you can you can make it work so i you know i've probably i've played probably <clears throat> i've played probably about five hours of it and i i feel like i'm in a good place i'd never have to really worry about it and also like as your body decays you get fewer dice per day so like you can take further you can take fewer actions per day if your body's degrading um because like hey your body's fucking wearing out dude <laughs> things are gonna go bad um and there's also like a, a, a like a hacking mechanic that because like they're sending out um things to get to get your body to to get you back to get their slave back basically is that you know you can do these hacking things but you are like raising the the people who are out to get you you're getting you're raising your awareness and if you get like if you almost get caught you can lose like a lot of your like body's health by getting caught um and that could end up being very bad so you have to kind of like it is a risk reward situation of like well i need these resources but if i do this i'm probably going to set trigger off this thing so that's not great um i do like that and at the same time so it has all those mechanical things and all that like sci-fi setting stuff but really what it is what it draws upon is that like it is it is very much like 
character driven a character driven story in that you're meeting all of these different people and having conversations with them and making like choices in these conversations that makes you want to like oh well shit i want to see where this goes and so you get like these things called drives which is basically just like hey here's this quest like they're basically like quest chains and like when you complete the drive you get upgrade points which is like Oh, okay. I can I can make it so like one like one good thing is like a if you upgrade, you can see what the perks what perks you'll get if you succeed or fail a a specific task, things like that. Or you can get it so one upgrade is that you can re-roll your dice once per day. Um, like so, if you get a bunch of shitty dice, you can re-roll them and try to get something better. Um, things along those lines. Um, I I think you have all of that stuff, and I think that the in spite of those things maybe being a little bit hard to wrap your head around when you start, the the thing that really gets me that keeps me coming back is, oh, I love these stories. I love these characters. This is really interesting. And I also kind of want to see what happens to the main character, like the main plot of like, you're this runaway cyborg question mark clone question mark. Um, and like, what happens? Do you survive? Can you make it? Are you going to last? Um, Hey, do you, you know, are you going to betray these people who helped you? Things like that. Um, it's, it's really cool and came out of nowhere. And I kind of love that. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 yes, you linked to a trailer, uh, and I'm very excited about it. I wasn't, I think maybe a second or two into the trailer, I was like, I'm not 100% sure about this art style. And then at the end of the trailer, I went, I think I quite like this art style. It looks cool. It is it is cool. And I don't necessarily know if the, because there's like the 2D art and there's the 3D art of like, here's the environment. And then here's like the, like the, two, the static like character artwork. And I don't know if they mesh extremely well but i do think that it, they work well enough that i'm not taken out of it yeah yeah um so yeah i would i would i would highly recommend it um as something that i had i had no expectations for and it has turned out like and it also has that really neat thing of um like the civ games of like because it is like day driven is quote-unquote cycle driven is that you're like well shit i kind of want to see what happens next and you just are like oh well okay well now i'm here all right i'll do one more day i'll do one more cycle and you just kind of get into that rhythm of like, well, shit, I spent all my dice, but I want to see where this goes. Okay, 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 I'll go back and I'll just, I'll do one more day. It's 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 very cool. Yeah, that sounds that sounds it sounds lush. Um, so b- big fan. I also finished Primordia. Um, it is a uh, I I've, I've spoken about it before. Um, it is a pretty neat um point and click adventure game. It was published by uh, Wadjet Eye, and um, it is um a a kind of like a cyberpunky kind kind of like like a you know dystopian world that's a little bit uh near automata e especially in the context of like it is a robot world in which you know things were created by man and man no longer exists uh, i do think that the game gets more interesting from the story perspective the later you get into the game but that is like counterbalanced by the puzzles get more obnoxious <laughs> the further into the game you get. Um, at a certain point, I'm like, all right, listen, I want to finish this. I'm just going to pull up a fucking walkthrough. And every single time I get stuck, I'm just going to look at the walkthrough because I'm not going to like continue dicking around with this. I want I want to see the end of the game. And so I did that. It's cool. There are multiple endings. Um, I would say in general, I think that's a pretty solid. That's a pretty solid game. It has the same a similar flaw to many point and click adventure games is that 
that like the puzzles get to the point where it's like, how do I, I know it has something to do with this lock. How do I fucking get the fucking goddamn lock open? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know if that, if that, if that is a frustration that you are, that you are bothered by, or if that is something that you don't mind. I think it's more in the don't mind category at this stage. I think I have made my peace with it. <laughs> there, uh, there, there's a, a, a it, de- it kind of depends on what kind of puzzle it is. It also depends on like how much effort they want me to put forth. Because if it's like, oh, well, maybe if you talk to everyone in the game, you can figure this out. I'm like, well, okay, fuck off. I'm just, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna see who I need to talk to, and then I'll solve the goddamn problem. Um, it is like, how much, how how much are you offering me? Like how, how far do I have to give um, before like you give me something back? Um, if you're asking me to put forth some effort, great. If you're asking me to put forth a lot of effort, I'm like, your game isn't worth me dicking around with this for fucking 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to like sit on the same puzzle for 45 minutes. I don't, I don't find that fun. I definitely know that there are people who do like, I know, especially there is like a European contingent of people, like a German contingent, of, of adventure game players who their primary like part of joy of those games is like the puzzle box aspect of it and that can't couldn't be me <laughs> uh, is not definitely is not is not not i um so that is you know something to keep in mind is that things get a little maybe a li- maybe a little bit too wonky it's not even that the, like the puzzles are like quote unquote too hard is that they're kind of like they get too tedious after a while is that like this isn't like a fun brain teaser this is like a kind of like like roadblock in the way of progress and this is no longer an enjoyable thing so just keep that in mind it's cool you know it's been around for i think it's like eight or nine years or something but it was just recently ported to the switch so um i like the way it looks i generally like the story I i like the characters so um it is it is cool and worth and worth picking up um we are in the we are in the game drought era now where the first three and a half months of the year it was a lot of games it was too many games there were too many video games all at one time and now we are in the period where it's like not only is there not a lot coming out now now we are in the period of like okay games are starting to be pushed out of the year uh today starfield and redfall uh yes. we both were both pushed out of the year what is um give me a give me a hype check you're you you like bethesda games significantly more than i do what is yeah. your hype check level like what is your hype level on uh on starfield i would say optimistic but cautious as opposed to cautiously optimistic uh, i mm, i am not ready to be hurt <laughs> do you- does that mean that it's like you you probably expect it to not be as successful as you would like i think that's it yeah i so at the moment i i feel like getting hyped for it is a fool's errand and i am distant enough from it like it doesn't have a fallout sticker on it that means that i have the power to not be hyped for it Mm -hmm. i i'm curious about it if it if it came out and it was getting not even nine out of tens across the board but like solid eight out of tens Mm -hmm. and people were saying 
yeah, this is a good Bethesda game. I'd go, I like a good Bethesda game. Mm-hmm. I would like to play the good Bethesda game, please. Um, and I like the idea of there being another game that I can lose myself in in a similar way to how I might have lost myself in a um, you know, Fallout 3 New Vegas 4 or a, or a Breath of the Wild or a Skyrim or something like that. Like I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I still am at home to that kind of game. Yeah. But I I don't know. I, I, I don't know why it is that I've got maybe slightly bad vibes because Bethesda haven't... I mean, Bethesda have been a little bit dodge but they've like none none of the none of the um none of their mainline games like what the last two they've put out have been fallout 4 uh and skyrim both of which i really liked so well but then also like fallout 76 is complicated right yeah because like it is like partly not a mainline game but then like bethesda softworks then like takes over some of it or bethesda game studios takes over some of it so it's like well, it's kind of a mainline Fallout, but also kind of its own weird thing. So it's hard. It's hard to even gauge it. Yeah, it is very hard to gauge it. I'm. I think the, and I know it's not the first time that they've done the strategy of let's develop this really, really quietly and then show everything quite close to release. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we've only seen glimpses it feels like it really is trading off the idea of what if skyrim in space as opposed to trading on what the game actually is and i've not seen enough of what the game actually is to trust just yet either so yeah it's uh it's i i would like to be hyped but i'm not yet i think is probably and i think that like those skyrim was extraordinarily successful um, and, you know, obviously, like the Fallout games continue to be pretty, pretty darn su- not Skyrim successful, but it's a it's a it's a high bar. Um, yes. uh, I, I, I do wonder if though if you put out a game that like this is a better looking thing that has basically these mechanics. I wonder if that plays in January 2023 or whatever, um, because I think that they those were pretty creaky when they came out. Um, and like <laughs> said so on this podcast of like, God, this, a lot of this feels really old um, and like kind of broke ass. Um, if, if it is basically like, yeah, yeah, we're continuing to make Skyrim, a game that came out over a decade ago. It's that, but it looks prettier and it's in space. They will kind of like failed the assignment, right? A little bit. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think I would be excited by it's just Skyrim in space. Um, It it will feel like a nostalgia kick now in a way that it didn't necessarily in 2012. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I am very curious about it, about where it goes. And then also, like, you now have this, like, weird Game Pass layer, which is an additional, like, I don't know, set of question marks about, like, what does that mean to Microsoft strategy? Because this is like like the first like uh, Bethesda proper thing that has come out since the purchase. Like there have been other things like from Machine Games and from uh, Arcane that is you know like within the Bethesda umbrella. But like this is the first Bethesda game since since Microsoft took over. And I do wonder. And they're like they've they've announced their like. Um, I don't know what the like non E3 thing 
as as like an Xbox and Bethesda showcase, which I think is like an odd wording choice. Yes, it's a very odd wording choice. Because it's like you're like putting the Bethesda layer on the same level as the Xbox layer. And it's like, no, like, look, Bethesda is like a big, important developer. Don't get me wrong, but like they're not. It's not like these two brands are equal. That is not that is not the case. Yeah, yeah. It feels like Bethesda's the one that's punching off its weight there, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. a strange thing to tack on. Yeah. Um I, I do also wonder if it's like, well, Bethesda is like the prestige like the prestige game developer. In the same way that EA was like, what if we branded everything Bioware? Even things that have nothing to do with what made Bioware Bioware. Um because people like the name Bioware and they hate the name EA. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do wonder if it's like well we spent all this money for fucking bethesda because they make the, the they make skyrim uh we should put the fucking name that we spent all this money doing uh, it would not remotely surprise me um they also we briefly talked about it i think last week that like tomb raider and deus ex and all that stuff got sold off of Square Enix and kind of like the smoke on the street is that Square Enix might be preparing itself to be sold, um, which would be interesting. And like it would be like Sony is the is the thing that that because Sony is still talking about how they want to do an acquisition. So that is kind of what people have been talking about. I don't even know what that would mean because like you have Sony, which has kind of like largely shifted its um, like cultural vibe. In the last, I don't know, let's say five years. Um, And you have Square, which has its own extremely odd culture of of dump a billion dollars into Final Fantasy over and over and over again. Um, (laughs) I I mean, I guess it makes more sense than Microsoft, right? Like two Japanese companies make more sense. But I do kind of feel weird. I I would feel weird if Square Enix was purchased by by Sony. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think I've always thought of rightly or wrongly square enix is making games that i don't have access to and i've always thought of sony as the console that i am least likely to have access to so Mm. they occupy a slightly similar space in my in my head already but it would be it would be yeah if if it would be less of a surprise than Xbox buying Bethesda felt at the time, I think. Yeah, because that that was, I, I don't know, it, it it feels weirder because that was earlier in the everything is being gobbled up by four different like companies. Yeah, um, they popularized the idea of uh, ultra consolidation. Yeah, we're like, we, Microsoft has done an even bigger one since then. So I guess we are like kind of, yeah, desensitized to to the idea of everything collapsing into like three different mega corps. Yeah, yeah. I um I wish I wish I wish that wasn't happening. Yeah, <laughs> oh, w- me too. Um because it's a huge bummer and all all that means is there are going to be fewer games and the games that exist are going to be harder to play for more people. Right. <laughs> um but at the same time like but, but this year a year in which lots of games have come out or at least in the early parts the best games that i have played or the games that i care about the most have been like really small like not just not just like okay this is a smaller project but these are like fuck off this is like you know this is a group of like five people making this game it's to the point of like i i still obviously like triple a games and i still play them um but they are increasingly safe to the point where i 
like never expecting them to like take big swings um in the same way that like an, an indie game is taking big swings in you know a smaller scale but but like oh wow they're they're like telling story in this really interesting way or they're they're having gameplay that i've never seen before um whereas like i really enjoyed my time with horizon um and i'm still probably going to go back to for more um but none of that is like surprising it's 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 like very high quality but none of the, i'm not surprised at any of it it's yeah it feels like video games are becoming hollywood yeah yes in that like fewer things safer bets um like yeah that's really well made that you spent a lot of money and made sure that that was really polished but like didn't like is is not it's not pulling on my heartstrings exactly yes yes it's not not what i love about games yeah yep and it, i was also having this discussion about because there was a a little bit of a foo-for-all about mass effect um the, about there being people being like, did they did they hint at Shepard being in the next Mass Effect game? Um, and the answer is like, no, no, probably not. But I was having this discussion and, and I don't necessarily need or want like, quote unquote, old Bioware because like so many people have left. Not that there aren't people there who were on staff in the games that I really, really like from Bioware. There are still people there, but um, I don't necessarily need Bioware to be old Bioware, to be Bioware from like 2010 or whatever. But I would like Bioware to be competent Bioware. Yes, yes. It's uh, not not exactly um, Skyrim syndrome, um, but like, as you were saying a minute ago, like if they made a if Starfield turned out to just be Skyrim in space that'd be kind of disappointing and I yeah. feel like Mass Effect feels old enough now honestly that yeah I, I, I don't need to go back to that particular um vein yeah you have like I, I I want them to have absorbed what's happening in like RPG spaces in the last decade and respond to that is like that's what I want is like I want obviously they have like intellectual prop intellectual property that I like um like Mass Effect and Dragon Age and stuff but um I I primarily want them to be like okay how do we marry the things that we have done well in the past which is like a lot of it is like character writing and and like having interesting like quests around your companions which i think is probably like the like trademark bioware thing yes. um how do we take those things that we were historically good at and marry that with like what has been happening in rpgs both big and small since we put out a an rpg that people like yes <laughs> um that's optimally what i like would like but i i do i do understand the cynical outlook of like it's probably going to be like it is an easier bet that it will be a do you, do you remember do you remember mass effect when you liked mass effect yeah we're back on the citadel everybody and i've like certainly my hype for the moment for the upcoming mass effect is just zero is absolutely they have a lot lot to prove yes and i i i can't imagine it being anything other than like a marvel movie yeah well i would i considering i have zero um interest in in like that vibe in that in that like tone i would i would hope that it would be more than that but i don't necessarily i I wouldn't i wouldn't expect them to come out because like dragon age is their next game i would be really surprised if they came out and fucking nailed it like i I, would be 
thrilled. It would be incredible if Bioware was like found a way to make cool games again. That would be incredible. But uh, that is certainly not like <laughs> the expectation and kind of like not even necessarily like maybe that's in like my wildest dreams. But like my more conservative, realistic hope would be like just put out like put out a pretty competent game, like put, put, out, put out a Dragon Age that is not bad Um, is like. The, the threshold of like should bioware even exist anymore yeah i mean we, we've commented in the past on how much is rising on this next dragon age game yeah and it just feels like that amount keeps increasing with every month yeah it is weird and like you know maybe maybe we'll be proven um like our our concern will be proven uh, like null and void, and it will be the best Dragon Age that has ever been made, and we'll love it. And I, I would love that. If that was the case, I would be extraordinarily happy. But man, does everything that has happened <laughs> not point to that being the case. Yeah. I, and and I, I don't even know I don't even know what you would do. Like I mean, like there are there are things that you can add to your game or like scope like how you scope your game, things like that that would I think make it better. But I don't necessarily even know how you like there is so much negativity that you have to like <laughs> like you're in a sand trap in golf that you have to like work your way out of to even get onto like even land <laughs> like the 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 stuff that they have to do to like prove to to win back the like the prestige or even the trust that they had before there's a lot of work left to do yeah it's stuff and it has to be like really damaging from a morale perspective right is that like you used to be this prestige brand that like people like care cared about and when people like and when you know <laughs> there were problems around or there was concerns around the ending of mass effect 3 like people were like but this is like such a like a a big part of like video games in this moment like we're really frustrated about this um because people cared so deeply about bioware in that moment um that you you go from that to people being like oh i expect your game to be bad is probably like really bad from a morale perspective particularly for people who are newer hires at bioware because yeah. that is those days of it being well thought of are good like maybe at least five years ago or so now, probably yeah. longer. That's got to, they've got to have seen quite a bit of turnover. Certainly, if their turnover on the uh, on the higher levels is anything yeah. to go by since those times, and there must be a lot of people who are trying their best in this company that like hasn't been, yeah, yeah. And I know that, and I know that they have like made it like a permanent change that people that like they will now hire from other places. Like you don't have to work in Edmonton because like think about it, they're in Edmonton, Alberta, which is not. A hot spot of video games no <laughs> um so like it's not like oh i live in San it's like oh the studio is in san francisco oh the studio is in montreal where it's like hey if you need talented developers there is a big pool of talented developers who live here it's like no dude like you live in you, you live in like a very very like small comparatively small place that does not have like a huge thriving video game development scene. So when you're looking for developers, it's like, Hey, do you want to move to the tundra of Canada? <laughs> and people are like, fucking what? No, I'm going I'm to live in the places where the video game jobs are. Cause like, oh, okay, I'm going to move to, I'm going to move to Edmonton, Alberta for this Bioware job. What if that doesn't work out? 
cool. I live in Edmonton, Alberta. Where am I going to get a video game job? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it is, there's, it's, it's complicated, but like, it's one of the reasons why you see like the density of, of game studios in certain cities. And some of it is like tax breaks. I know that like Quebec has some stuff about tax breaks and that's part of it. But it's like, also you put, you put your studios where people are right. Like, we're like, Hey, where are the people who make games? Okay. It's here. That this is this these are the, like the three places in North America that make games. Yeah. Um. And like or like for, think about like Bethesda. Like they're in Maryland. They're in like a DC burb. And it's like yeah. I mean that's cool. I, I'm. It's nice that they're there. But if those people get fired or laid off or whatever, it's not a you know the the DMV area is not exactly a a hot spot of of game development. They're probably going to have to move to New York or to move to like New England or even to like the Midwest and like a Chicago area to get gaming stuff. So like yeah, it's it's weird and and work from home is good. Like all, being able to have people from different places work um, without having to all live in one place is good. But it's not like that solves the problem entirely. It's not like it's not like and then that means everybody can work where they want no matter what all the time it's like no because there's going to be things like well you can work from home most of the time but these x times a year we need everybody to come in here yeah um and that is a a whole other thing rob where can people find you on the internet uh soundcloud.com forward slash rob d webster and listen to your your hot new track shepherd question mark yes shepherd shepherd Uh, uh, if you want to see what I do, head over to grantbruner.com. For the Weekly Roar, I'm Grant Bruner. I'm Rob Webster. Have a good one. Cry and I probably won't hear you Because it's loud with the shop back on